Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois. And this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Lawyer, your host. As you're listening to this program, God willing, I will be in Fatima leading a pilgrimage slash retreat or retreat slash pilgrimage. I am the spiritual director for this trip, which as you know, if you've listened to our program recently, I don't like to call it a trip, although that's, it is a trip, but more so, more properly speaking, it is a retreat and pilgrimage, which means it has an eminently spiritual nature and foundation to it. It's more than just a trip. Of course, anytime you go to Fatima, it's more than just a trip for anybody. But this is a particularly spiritual one for the group that's going, for the intention of why we're going, why I was asked to go, and whatever my contribution might be to this trip. So I'm going to ask for your prayers. I hope to speak to you about the trip when I return, about this retreat and pilgrimage. But in the meantime, please pray for me and for our group. Pray that I will be able to contribute what it is the Blessed Mother and our Lord, the Holy Spirit, wants me to contribute to this wonderful opportunity. And in spite of me, we pray that the most blessed Mother of God and the Holy Spirit acts within the hearts and souls of especially those with whom I am traveling. That will even include my bishop, Bishop Milan Lok, who is from Slovakia. He'll be meeting us there. He's already in Europe. So it's going to be a very monumental trip. And I'll tell you why it's particularly personal for me. When I grew up, I had an aunt. Her name was Martha, and she's still around. She's 91 years old, going on 40. And she would give lectures. I remember growing up, she would come into town, because she lived out of town, and she would give lectures at different schools and churches. And her lectures had to do with the apparitions of the Mother of God. One of those popular lectures of hers was the phenomenon that we know as the apparitions of Fatima. And so I was aware of this growing up, and it was interesting, it was fascinating. My aunt was part of the Blue Army. In fact, my grandfather, who was a priest, as you know, married men can become priests in the Byzantine church. My grandfather was a priest, and he was the Byzantine chaplain for the Blue Army of Fatima. And in fact, there's a Byzantine chapel there at Fatima, which... God willing, I am visiting as I'm speaking to you now. And also, 
When I was a seminarian, I would go to listen to John Paul II. And at the time, when he would do his audiences on Wednesday, his live audiences, at the time, he was delivering his catechesis on the human person, now known as the theology of the body. I didn't know that's what it was at the time. No one really knew, per se. Later on, it received that title. Actually, the technical title is male and female, he created them, a theology of the body. So the byline, the secondary title, (laughs) became the title, the one that we now associate that teaching with, Theology of the Body. But that wasn't the original title. And I would go there every week to listen to the Pope, and I would listen, of course, live, and he would come out in his Pope-mobile. You can get pretty near to him at that time. You know how John Paul II was, very much a people person. And I was also there the day when he was shot, when the attempt was made on his life. And I found out and realized that The attempt in his life was on the anniversary of the first apparition of Fatima, and it was about maybe 60 years after the actual event. He was shot in 1981. The actual event was in 1917. May 13th was the first apparition of the Blessed Mother. Before that, an angel was appearing to these three children. I guess the Lord was preparing them for the vision, the appearance of the Mother of God through this angel. The angel came and spoke with the children, taught them some prayers. Then later on, the Virgin Mary came for the first time on May 13th. So John Paul II was shot on that day. Now, I was there, and I was present for that. I was also present when he made his first appearance after his miraculous, and yes, it was miraculous recovery. After he was shot, John Paul II, while he was healing in the hospital, miraculously healing, realized that his life was spared in a miraculous way. In other words, it it was as if the bullet was turned as it went and pierced his body, because it just missed, just missed a major artery that would have killed him instantly. And many of the doctors do say that. They say it's as if the bullet was turned as it went into his body and spared his life. Nevertheless, it was a life-threatening injury. He should have died anyway. Most persons probably would have died even from the injury that he did sustain. And as he was healing, he renewed a more intense interest in the whole Fatima phenomenon began to read about it more and more. And St. John Paul II came to believe that he was indeed saved through the intercession of Our Lady of Fatima. So one year, exactly one year after he was shot, he visited Fatima. He visited it three times after he was shot. And on the final time, he visited Fatima three times after he was shot. And also, the pilgrim virgin statue of Fatima came to St. Peter's, and Pope John Paul II dramatically took the bullet They gave him the bullet that pierced his body, and he put that bullet in the crown of that statue, and it's there to this day. So there are a number of reasons that this trip is personal to me. There's another reason as well. There is a Byzantine chapel there, complete with beautiful icons, a beautiful icon screen, where my grandfather celebrated liturgy, together with my aunt in attendance. And I hope to be celebrating liturgy there myself. And I'll be using an antimensian, that's a special cloth with the relic of a saint in it that is required for every Byzantine liturgy. I hope to be celebrating liturgy on top of that Antimensian, and that Antimensian was passed down to me through my family for several hundred years. It's actually a very, very old ancient heirloom that I received when I was ordained. My grandfather used it to celebrate liturgy wherever he went as well. There's a lot of personal investment in this particular trip for me, but there's also personal investment in terms of my spirituality and the spirituality of those who are going, of, of 
of this whole Fatima phenomenon. And in particular, I want to look at something that the Blessed Mother called for in all of her apparitions at Fatima, something she kept insisting on. It was like the, the theme that wove through her appearances. And that theme was she wanted to draw the world to her immaculate heart, to her immaculate heart. But she also mentioned that her heart was at one with the heart of her son, his sacred heart. Now, as an Eastern Catholic, the Eastern spirituality doesn't exactly speak in those terms. So the question comes up for me personally and for others around the trip, and for all Eastern Christians, whether Orthodox or Catholic, what is really meant by this immaculate heart? What does the Blessed Mother mean by calling the world to her heart? Now, secondly, the second theme closely united to that one is the theme of the conversion of Russia that Russia would be consecrated to her Immaculate Heart. Those two things were the main themes woven through her appearances and her message. Now, that message, of course, included things that are, as the Bible says, nothing new under the sun, but the tried and true things of spirituality, such as penance, offering up suffering in reparation for the sins of ourselves and others, confession, Praying to the Mother of God, especially, she indicated, praying the rosary, trusting in her Son, reforming our lives. These are standard things that the Virgin Mary always includes in any of her appearances. It's obviously in the Bible. It's the hallmarks of our faith, of spirituality. So the Virgin Mary is not going to tell us anything new in terms of a revelation. She can't. Revelation is completed after the Apostles. Nothing new will be revealed. She may have some new things to reveal in terms of, well, some prophecies or maybe some prayer or ways to attain these fundamental aspects of spirituality. But this focus on the Immaculate Heart and the focus on the conversion of Russia is a very worthwhile question for me personally as an Eastern Catholic and for others, really for the whole world, to sift through, to kind of walk through as if we're sort of wandering in the forest. Because there is a certain mystery to it. And, you know, we love mystery in the Eastern churches. So with mystery, what we do is we immerse ourselves in it. We wander through it. We don't always know all the answers. We don't know exactly what is precisely true or not. But we do know that there are things that are true. Remember, mystery is something revealed and something hidden all at the same time. Something that lies beyond our ability to understand At the same time, certain things that are very clear to us, that we're very certain about. And we live in the confluence of those two things. That's what makes it mystery. It's also what makes it most real. Let's face it. We're only human beings. We're not God. And the ways of God and the ways of those who are in heaven, such as the mother of God, are going to lie in some respects beyond ourselves, beyond our comprehension. Even when things are revealed to us, we don't fully understand them. At the same time, there are things that are very clear and are made very clear through Christ, the Blessed Mother, the scriptures, the church teachings, and so on. When we return, we're going to talk more about and focus and kind of walk through this, I'll call it the the forest, the mystery of her immaculate heart and why Russia. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion and to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church. We need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. 
and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. It's no secret that Father Loya and other speakers from the Tabor Life Institute are available to speak at your parish or group on marriage and family topics seen through the lens of St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body. Other topics include Eastern Christian spirituality and the significance of art in the church. The Tabor Life Institute can arrange for marriage encounters, parish missions, and can help your parish facilitate teen faith formation in either English or Spanish. For Father Loya and other speakers, contact the Tabor Life Institute by writing to taborlife at earthlink.net. That's Tabor spelled T-A-B-O-R life at earthlink.net. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. You are listening to the choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the sacred liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. Order online at byzantinecatholic.com. All we ask is a donation of $15 or more, which includes shipping and handling to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Lawyer, your host. Before I continue on with this wandering through the forest of the immaculate heart of the Mother of God, as she revealed it in the apparitions of Fatima, I just want to say hello to some faithful listeners. I want to say hello to all of you listening on EW10 Radio Domestic, also on shortwave, and those of you on EW10 Sky Radio UK, especially Andrea, if you're listening, you wrote to me recently. Perhaps I'll be going to the UK to do some speaking. Also, those of you listening on Ave Maria Radio, and those of you in prison, you are our special listeners. You're always very special to us. And also our good friend Buddy from the Boston area. My travels to Fatima came through Boston. <laughs> and as Buddy said, who would have thunk it? The way to Fatima was through Boston. Thanks, Buddy, for reminding about that and for reminding me about the time change that I'm experiencing here in Portugal. They already are on their autumn time schedule. Ours will be coming up soon. So thank you, Buddy, for always having our back here at Light of the East. And thank all of you for listening to Light of the East. The Immaculate Heart, that concept, is very commensurate with the spirituality of the Western lung of the church. What I mean by that is the Western lung of the church has a more what we might call naturalistic expression. In other words, you'll see the famous crucifixes with lots of blood on them, especially in the Latino traditions, Mexico and so on, Spain. You'll find a kind of a earthiness, a kind of a, well, like a starting point would be the human experience as it strives towards God. And so the Blessed Mother, in speaking to some Roman Catholic, you know, Latin Rite children, 
is naturally going to speak in languages and symbols that they understand, which are going to be what the East might consider to be rather visceral or literal. Nonetheless, they still are metaphorical. They still are symbolic. They mean more than just the literal. So the Virgin Mary, in the appearances in Fatima, at one time actually, according to the seers, Lucia and Jacinta and Francisco, who are now saints, they say that she actually held in her hand her heart and showed it to them, and it was surrounded by thorns. Well, the East sometimes sort of reviles at that because they are looking at it maybe too literally. They don't realize that even though in the West they may be a little more naturalistic in their expression of things, there still is an allegorical, metaphorical, theological meaning to it. So the question is, does the East have what is expressed in this whole concept of the Immaculate Heart? The East may not use that term specifically, or they may not have images of an actual heart, like the organ itself, surrounded by a crown of thorns. They may not have pictures or icons with a crucifix where there's lots of blood and lots of sort of naturalistic or almost gory detail. There's nothing wrong with that, just that the East doesn't normally do that. But what does the East have? Is there a convergence point here? And that is one of the big questions that I will wander through in our pilgrimage and retreat in Fatima, especially as an Eastern Christian, Eastern Catholic. Well, if you look at the Eastern spirituality, especially, as always, its iconography, its imagery, its liturgy, you'll find that the concept of an immaculate heart or the heart of the Virgin Mary is very much present, but is always expressed in its own way, east and west. The way the two lungs express their spirituality is going to differ even though they arrive basically at the same point. In the icon of the descent from the cross, there's a very dramatic portrayal of the grief of the mother of God. It's really quite moving. Just as you can stand in front of Michelangelo's Pietà, as I did every day when I was a student in Rome, especially as an art student, it was a real thrill for me. I'd make a pilgrimage there every day to St. Peter's and stand and pray before the Pietà and just marvel at that magnificent masterpiece that a 21-year-old artist did. In that same way, there is a Pietà moment, a depiction in the icon of Christ being taken down from the cross. The agony of the Virgin Mary is very palpable in that icon. Even though it's not a lifelike statue, the icon really communicates that grief. And whenever there is that grief or that pain in the heart of the Virgin Mary in icons, there is also a corresponding presentation in the icon of her acceptance. And you can see that also in Michelangelo's Pietà. You can see the grief, but you can also see a certain resignation looking down at her son in her arms, as though she is contemplating that mystery. Yes, she's in grief, but she's contemplating the mystery. Well, the icons do the same thing. There's also an icon called the icon of tenderness, where Christ is embracing his mother as she holds him in her arms. It's a very, very tender, heart-to-heart kind of theme. There's also one called the kissing Jesus, where he's actually they're actually depicted cheek-to-cheek. It's, again, it's a very tender one. It also has a spousal imagery to it as well. It's an ancient motif that was used in Christian art where there was a, like a, they call it a chin chuck, where Christ's hand is like under the chin of the Virgin Mary. And that's a very tender pose, but it also implies something even greater. It implies the spousal relationship, that he will become the new Adam, she the new Eve, and that will become realized at the cross, 
when Christ turns to his mother and says, not mother, but woman, behold your son. Woman meaning like Eve, the new Eve. So many things are contained in the theology of icons and the way that they're painted. There's also another icon in the East called the icon of she who softens evil hearts. It's an icon of the Virgin Mary. And get this, she has seven swords thrust in her body. Now, there isn't a lot of blood there. There's no blood, actually, but there's still seven swords sticking out of her body, and one of them is sticking right up vertically into her heart. How's that for being graphic? Well, that icon is commemorated on February 2nd, when, in the Eastern churches, we celebrate the encounter of our Lord with Simeon in the temple, where Simeon says to her, remember from Luke, a sword will pierce your heart. In other words, he prophesies that she will have a heartache with this son of hers that she's presenting to Simeon in the temple. And in fact, one of those swords, one of those seven swords, is going right into the area of her heart in the icon. And yet the icon says, she who softens evil hearts, as if to say that the suffering that she felt softened her own heart and aligned her with the sufferings of her children. That's one of the reasons she appeared at Fatima. That's why she always appears, because we're suffering. There's heartache, there's tragedy, there's evil. And like a loving mother, she comes to help us. Also, in the icon of the crucifixion, that's one of the best portrayals of these two complementary moments in the Virgin Mary, in her heart. One, a moment of grief, of real deep grief, a mother's grief, especially this mother who watches her innocent son suffer unjustly. But the other hand motions towards the cross, as her hand does in almost all of the icons, always gesturing towards Christ with a gesture of resignation that I accept this mystery, as she eventually did when the angel Gabriel came to her at the beginning and said she would bear the son in her womb, the Messiah. At first she hesitated, she was confused and frightened, but then she said, let it be done to me according to thy will. So she accepted, there was a resignation there. And in the icon of the crucifixion, the Virgin Mary stands at the foot of the cross, one hand on the side of her face in grief, the other hand gesturing towards the cross in resignation and as the guide. That's another name from one of the famous Byzantine icons. It's the icon called the guide or the, the shower of the way, Hodegetria. Hodegetria is the name in Greek. That's the actual name of the icon. It means the one who shows the way, the guide. And indeed, she does show the way. She is the way to Christ. Another aspect about the heart of Mary and the heart of Jesus would be this. Physiologically, when a mother bears a child, there is some of that child that actually stays within her body some of that DNA. Remember, a child gets their blood from their mother. So we're walking around really with our mother's blood to an extent. So it was with Christ as well. In fact, in the icons, the Virgin Mary is depicted in a kind of a deep earthly red color, signifying that Christ got his human nature from her. And that human nature would also have to include her blood. And as a mother then, she would also carry within her own body still some aspect of her son. So when she says that her heart and the heart of Christ, her son, are in a sense one, yes, they are separate, but yet one, there's actually a physiological reality to that, a physiological truth to that. And so when she tells the world, as she did through Fatima, to come to her immaculate heart, it should not be something quite 
too foreign to Eastern Christians, if they understand it in a deeper way, if they understand it through their own iconography, through their own spirituality, their own theology, their own liturgy, their own prayer of the Virgin Mary. So much of the East does focus on that heart of the Mother of God, but it doesn't linger just in the grief part. It lingers in the sense of her purity, of her being the way to Christ, the intercessor. One of our hymns, we sing about her as being the intercessor. So in many ways, the Virgin Mary and this whole Fatima event is a convergence point between East and West. And that unity and that prayer for our personal inner peace and the peace of the world is what I am committed to doing while I am here, God willing, in this pilgrimage and retreat to Fatima. Please pray for me as I will pray for you. And thank you for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit ByzantineCatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit ByzantineCatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. Reason for Our Hope with Father Larry Richards. Once someone's died, you remember explicitly what that person said to you. Now, so we go back and we start off with King David. Now, King David is a good man to begin with because King David, the word David means beloved of God. God says of David, he is a man after my own heart. But you all know David, right? He was a murderer. And yet God said he was a man after his own heart because David kept getting up and trying, getting up and trying, repenting. We have the beautiful Psalms. God have mercy on me, calming from David, huh? So he knew what it was to be a man. And so here's King David and he takes his son Solomon. The last words of wisdom he gives him. 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 2. He says, I am going the way of all mankind. So, take courage and be a man. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh.